the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Taking a look at this petition found in the Lord's Prayer next on Abounding Grace. So when we ask the Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, are we looking for a conditional forgiveness? That's a good question. One we're examining here on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, returns us to our series on the Lord's Prayer. And once again, we're looking at this fifth petition. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast. The justice of God cannot be compromised in the slightest degree and of necessity demands the punishment of the sinner. God cannot deny himself, and thus grace does not negate his justice. Grace is not incompatible with justice, but confirms it. This is the grace of God, so highly exalted in his word that God, without finding anything in man, he has contrary to his deserts, given his son as a surety as a substitute. He transferred the sins of his people from their account to his, and by bearing the punishment justly due them for their sins, satisfied the justice of God on their behalf. This is grace. That God offers Jesus as surety, as a substitute in the gospel. It is grace when God grants favor to a sinner to receive Jesus and to entrust his soul to Jesus. It is grace when God converts a sinner, granting him spiritual life. It is grace when God permits a sinner to sensibly experience his favor. It is grace when God sanctifies a sinner, leading him in the way of holiness to salvation. In quote. In other words, don't think that whenever you say or pray or do anything right, that it is for the purpose of trying to satisfy God enough to get Him to forgive you of your sins. Lord, come into my heart. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Help me to keep from sinning so much. I want to live a perfect life so that in some way or another, I can pay the debt that I owe you at least somewhat to at least find some measure of favor with you. Beloved, no matter how sincere your prayer, to ask God to be your Savior, no matter how sincere your efforts to live a virtuous life and to avoid evil, if the ultimate goal is to try and buy off God and to atone for your sins and to try and satisfy and make up for your regrets of the, your, the regrets of your life, it means nothing. Because God is just and our sins are of such infinite debt that the only 
person who can satisfy God for them all and pay the entire debt without himself perishing eternally is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, beloved, do not presume upon the justice of God. Don't think there is anything you can do to satisfy God. Don't think that He will ever relax His justice for your sake. Well, God, you know, I've, and I've made this little deal. I'll just simply put a little more on the offering plate, and He'll let me get away with this one. God's justice is inflexible. There are no special cases. You must cast yourself upon God's mercy, declaring that He is just. And when you cry out to God to be merciful upon you, a sinner say also, God, you are just in condemning me. You are just in everything that you say about me. You have no obligation to save me. My only hope is that you would have mercy on me because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I cast myself on that mercy as my only hope of salvation. If you have not done that, beloved, I encourage you to do so before you leave this building today. Well, those are the reasons for praying the fifth petition. Let me spend a few minutes now talking about the three prerequisites for praying forgiveness of our debts. Last week I asked, how in the world can a sinner with a straight face say, God, Forget all my sins. Cancel them all out. I know I deserve your wrath, but just forget it. How in the world can a sinner ask that? Well, it's because of these truths. One is the free grace of Almighty God. Two is the obedience and the satisfaction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And three is the necessity of faith in Christ. You see here again this petition, forgive us all our debts as we forgive our debtors, is meaningless apart from the gospel. It is only because of the gospel that human beings can dare say anything with the confidence that God will blot out their iniquities. And what are the three things that lay right at the base of this petition, without which this petition would be audacious and blasphemous? If we were to dare ask God to cancel out our debt when we don't deserve to even have the least of our debts canceled, they are, first of all, number one, the grace of God. Listen to Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified is a gift by His grace through the redemption which is Christ Jesus. Now, what we learn there is that without the free and sovereign grace of God, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Now, what do we mean when we say God's free grace? Well, listen carefully. God was under no obligation to provide salvation from sin. No obligation whatsoever for us as sinners. In perfect justice, God could have sentenced every single one of us without exception to eternal perdition, and He would still be just as loving and just as kind and just as gracious as He is now. We just never know it. 
But God sovereignly and graciously chose to save a vast portion of the human race, all their sins, through Christ. And that choice was His free, sheer, unmerited, undeserved, unearned grace. Our text says that although all of sin comes short of the glory of God, nevertheless all believers in Jesus are justified as a gift by His grace. Now, in that phrase, as a gift, I want you to notice something. It can also be translated freely. Let me tell you how it's used first in John 15, 25. Jesus uses the word Dorian there, and He says, they hated me without a cause. They hated me freely. There was no cause in me. There was nothing in me, says Jesus, whatsoever that should make them hate me. They hated me without a cause. Now let's translate it that way in our text, Romans 3.23. For all have come short of the glory of God, being justified without a cause by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, without a cause. The point is, there is nothing in you or me, either in our character, our motives, or our behavior, that would cause God to forgive us. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing in us that makes us worthy or deserving of justification. Salvation is by grace alone. It is a free gift. And that is the glory of the gospel, my friends. Apart from the free grace of God, no forgiveness of sin is possible. And it doesn't matter how much you forgive yourselves. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, yeah, God forgives me of my sins. The problem is I just can't forgive myself. Beloved, that's one of the most arrogant things anyone can say or think. Do not ever, ever forgive yourselves. Do you think Paul forgave himself for the sins he committed? Every time Paul remembered that he was a persecutor of Christians, it tore him and broke him apart. Who do you think you are? You've got to forgive yourself. It is God we sinned against. The main thing is not whether you can forgive. No matter how sincerely you have forgiven yourself, that is irrelevant. The issue is, has God forgiven you? And without the free grace of God providing us with the Lord Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins by God is completely impossible. And there is nothing in you that would ever move Him to say, Oh yeah, you've had it all through rough. Oh, I know you're not perfect, but you don't deserve to go to hell. Oh, you probably deserve a few knocks and bumps along the way, but you deserve better. No. God looked upon all of us with grace, and He saved us without a cause. There is nothing in us at all to move God to do us any good whatsoever. Now, the second prerequisite for us to pray for forgiveness is the obedience and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24 of Romans 3. 
being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. God's grace is free. It is unmerited. But once God chose to be gracious to sinners, the only way open to him to forgive was the giving up of his son. God did not have to save sinners. That was an act and choice of sheer grace. But once he made that choice, the only way open to him to forgive us of our sins was through the giving up of his son on the cross and the redemptive mediation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that redemption was accomplished at a great price. God giving up his own son and Christ giving up his own life. Scripture says that we are redeemed through Christ. The word redeem means to pay the ransom price necessary to deliver those held in bondage, and of course, held in the bondage of sin. To pay the ransom price necessary to deliver those held in bondage. And that ransom price was nothing less than the ransom secured by the Lord Jesus Christ in the shedding of his own blood. We were in bondage to sin and Satan. And the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price to set us free by the shedding of His own blood as a propitiation. Now that's a big word. And it's actually only used, I believe, three times in the entire Bible. But without propitiation, we have nothing. So what is propitiation? It is literally to turn away God's anger. It is as if the Lord Jesus Christ stood between us for whom he died and the tidal wave of God's anger beating upon him in our place, bearing its full power and full force so that we, we could be delivered from the wrath of God. That is what propitiation is. Do you know what the publican said when the Pharisee said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like all those other people, unclean and lowly. The publican beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was saying, God, propitiate me, the sinner. I do deserve your wrath. I'm such a sinner. Please provide me a Savior that will turn away your wrath, who by his own life will pay the debt of duty that I owe you. And by his sacrificial death will pay the price of the punishment that I owe you. That is why the old word for atonement used to be the word satisfaction. Arthur Pink's great book on the atonement of Christ, appropriately called the atonement of Christ, first edition was actually called the satisfaction of Christ. Now today, satisfaction is a politically incorrect word because it means God will not and cannot forgive you of your sins until His justice has been satisfied, until all the demands of His justice against you have been satisfied because you owe God a perfect life. The liberals hate to hear that. You're not going to get into heaven until that demand is satisfied. You owe God eternal punishment for your sins. You're not going to get into heaven until that debt is satisfied. You say, preacher, 
I know I, I can't give God a perfect life. I know I'm a wretched sinner. It would take forever for me to pay my debt of punishment. You're right. I know. That's why Jesus is so wonderful. That is why Jesus lived for 33 years. To pay the debt of the duty we owe God. And that's why he died on the cross. To pay the debt of punishment that you and I who believe in him owe to him. So he not only died for us, Jesus lived for us. So we're not only saved by his satisfaction on the cross when he met all the demands of God's law against us in our place, but he lived a perfect life of obedience. And now, when you stand before God, which you will do someday, and God asks you, why should I let you into heaven? Let me tell you some things you better not say to him. You better not say, well, I know I wasn't perfect, but Lord, I was basically good. You better not say, because I asked Jesus into my heart. You better not say, because I asked you to be merciful to me. You better not say, because I believed in Jesus. You better say, because of the obedience and the satisfaction of Christ in my place. That is the only reason you and I will ever make it into heaven. Not because of anything in you. However right those things may be. The only reason that God will let any of us into heaven is because Jesus lived a perfect life in our place. Jesus died an atoning death in our place. And now when we receive him by faith, he becomes our absolute substitute. And that leads us to the last prerequisite. First, the free grace of God. Then the obedience and sacrifice of Christ. And third, the necessity of faith in Him. Let me read to you Romans 1, 16 and 17. Those verses say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Repeatedly in Paul's writings, he says, the only people who will ever enjoy the blessings of forgiveness of sin and eternal life and acceptance with God are those who come to God through faith, In the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over again, Paul says, salvation has no reality, no validity, no meaning apart from faith in Christ. Listen to this quote by John Murray. He said, Whenever there is faith, there the omnipotence of God is operative unto salvation. This is a law with no exceptions. Whenever there is faith, there is the power of God saving sinners, forgiving them, creating new life in them, adopting them into God's family. But where there is no faith, there is no salvation. Romans 3 says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is to all who believe. It is only by faith, but it is to everyone who believes. And what is faith? 
Well, faith involves actually three things. It involves first, knowledge. You have to know certain things, beloved. Faith is not blind, like the kind of faith that's the basis of evolution. Faith is not ignorant. Faith must know certain things. You have to know some of the things that the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget, faith includes knowledge. It includes assent. You've got to say, not only do I know who I am, that I am guilty of original and actual sin, and I know that I have no hope apart from Jesus Christ, and I know that God has provided salvations for sinners in the obedience and the satisfaction of Christ, and I not only know those things, I believe those things to be true. But without the third element... It is not saving faith. You can know the Bible. You can believe that what the Bible says actually happened in the life of Jesus. But without this third ingredient, you do not have real faith. And that ingredient is trust. I know what the Bible says about Jesus and my need for him. I know what Jesus has done to be the Savior of sinners. And now I come to him, and I trust in him alone to be in my life what the Bible says he is in fact. Sin has blinded me. I need a great prophet to heal my blindness so I can see straight. Jesus Christ, I come to you to be my prophet. I need a priest. The Bible says, I owe God eternal punishment, and I need a priest who will offer himself as a sacrifice in my place, propitiating my sins, Jesus. The Bible tells me that you are a priest. I do believe that. Please be my priest, because I believe that you died for me. I need a great king. I need someone who can control the otherwise unruly passions and habits and desires of my heart. The Bible tells me, Jesus, that you are a king over all kings. Please be my king. I trust you alone for salvation. I do not trust myself. I do not trust the sacraments. I do not trust church membership. I do not trust my good works. I do not trust anything I have done or anything I am. I look entirely beyond myself and I rest upon you alone, Jesus, as my Savior. Without that kind of faith, beloved, you can pray all you want. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you will not have one debt satisfied. So the most important thing that I can leave with you today is to ask you, are you trusting in Christ totally alone for your salvation? Do you believe that Jesus lived perfectly obedient life and died a sacrificial death to satisfy God's justice so that you might be saved through faith? Do you rest upon Him for your only hope? Are you trusting Him alone for salvation? Because if you are not, do not waste one minute of your time praying the fifth petition. 
But if you are, every time you pray the fifth petition, you can pray it with assurance and certainty and joy in knowing that Jesus Christ has blotted out all of your sins and he will never remember them against you ever again. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Dot org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 